I want to just share with you briefly today on the subject, Jesus, the resurrection, and the life. And I want this to be relevant to you. It's not just an old, old story. This is, this is good stuff. The Bible is filled with good uh, information, good knowledge. Uh, the disciples, after the resurrection of Jesus, went everywhere preaching the resurrection. So we don't hear a lot about the resurrection until uh, March or April. Uh, but here at this church, you hear about it a lot. Uh, they went everywhere preaching the resurrection. Jesus Christ, their Messiah, the Son of God, had been resurrected from the dead on the third day. And they told everybody, we saw him, we touched him, we handled him. We saw the, the, the wound in his side. We saw the nail prints in his hands. We saw him. Jesus is alive. He talked to us. We ate with him. He cooked breakfast for us. You know, that was an exciting time. We also should preach and understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it brings to us. Not just that Jesus got out of the grave, but what does that bring to us? It brings amazing things to us. His resurrection swallowed up death, swallowed up death, which means that life, that Zoe life, swallowed up death. And since life swallowed up death, we should know that the life that we now have in Jesus swallows up our problems. It swallows up our problems. The life that is in you, it, sw it swallows up your marital differences, if you will allow it. It swallows up teenage crises, if we allow it. That is, if we believe, if we cooperate. It swallows up financial difficulties and all forms of hopelessness. This is what God has given to us. The resurrection gives us power over sin and everything that opposes us in this life. The, the power of the resurrection, this is amazing. It brings overcoming power to the believer. So now, we, uh, Brother James was singing this song about basically overcoming and uh, not being a slave to, to sin any longer. It, but this, this amazing resurrection power that God has given us through Jesus Christ brings us victory over everything that opposes us. Not some things, but everything that opposes us in this life. It, it brings what? Overcoming power. It brings, it brings everything that seems to be invincible, it brings it under our feet. It brings that which we thought was unconquerable. It brings, it brings us to know that it is conquerable. It, it means that everything that's natural, that comes against you in your life, bows to the life that is in you, bows to the resurrection life in you. Your, the life in you is not just bio. The life in you is resurrection life, Jesus Christ. Amen. So through Christ's death, and resurrection, death's power has been broken forever. What can God give you more than what he has already given you? What can God give you? God has already given you and me his son. I mean, that's not just a, a nice little story. That's the reality that God has given us his son. I would like for us to look at the book of John, uh, the 11th chapter, through the lens of Christ. And we always talk about the lens of Christ. 
That means how you see things. You should see them through the lens of Christ. I use these glasses because they help me to see better. And so Christ will help you to see clearly. Jesus wanted the resurrection of Lazarus to be indelible in the minds and hearts of his disciples. He wanted that resurrection to be indelible. Indelible. What does that mean? I remember Mrs. Rutledge teaching me what indelible meant. Mrs. Rutledge taught me a lot of things. And sometimes a few of you just drive me nuts because she told me don't ever use that in a sentence like that. Mrs. Rutledge told me that indelible meant impossible to erase. Impossible to eliminate. Impossible to forget or change. Said indelible were marks that could not be removed or washed out. That's what she taught me. She said, this is indelible ink. Don't get it on your clothes. Indelible. So Jesus wanted this resurrection of Lazarus to be indelible in the minds of his disciples because it was going to change things for them forever. Lazarus' death and resurrection also it portend something, portends something. And that means it indicates in advance something. It indicated Jesus' own death, or our own death rather. It indicated our own death and our res own resurrection. Lazarus' resurrection uh, depended on relationship and the will of God. Now, I say relationship and the will of God. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody that Jesus raised from the dead when he was ministering, uh, that, that raising them from the dead depended on relationship, but it did depend on the will of God. But Lazarus depended on relationship and the will of God. And our resurrection depends on what? Relationship and the will of God. So he wanted this to be very, very stark in their, in their minds. I, um, in uh, John chapter 11, let's start to read in verse 1, and, and I'll go somewhat quickly, but you follow me. Now, if you stand up and say, amen, amen, I'll slow down and repeat it. Yeah, you can do that. I'm, I'm serious. You do that. You stand up and say, amen, amen, and I'm going to repeat it. All right? because I'm going to move fairly fast. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, now uh, John is giving us context that that was not just some woman. This was Mary, Lazarus' sister, Martha's sister, good friend to Jesus, all right? Therefore, the sisters sent to him. Now, what did they do? They sent to him because uh, Lazarus was sick. They said, Lazarus was sick. They sent to him. They said, therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying. Now, notice, they are appealing to Jesus based on relationship. They said, Lord, behold. Look at this, Jesus. He whom you love is sick. That's all they said. 
he, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, now John goes on to explain something because we must understand this amazing relationship. You and I are in this kind of relationship because Jesus died for you. Don't say he died for all of us. No, you just need to concentrate on you right now. Because we dilute the effect sometimes by trying to spread it all around. I wake up every morning knowing that Jesus died for me. Yes, I know he died for the sin of the whole world, but he died for me. And it gives me the right response to Jesus when I think about it like that. It gives us the right response. It gives us the right response when we make it personal. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. He can wake me up at 2 or 3 in the morning, and I don't say, I've got an early appointment, Lord, like I did when I didn't understand the relationship. Lord, i got to go to work tomorrow. Didn't you know Jesus knew you had to go to work? <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. Verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha. Now, now I say he loved Martha. And her sister and Lazarus. John wants us to know that that was a special relationship. So when he heard that he was sick, Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Now that doesn't seem like love. So what does this story bring to us? Because you don't know everything. I don't know everything. We don't know why that person didn't say hello to us, or we don't know why the pastor didn't give us a phone call back. I hope he did. <laughs> Jesus, with intentionality, stayed there two more days. In spite of Jesus' love for Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed two more days. It seemed to us in reading this, this text, that Lazarus had died about the time Jesus got the information. He had already died. And so Jesus didn't go there because as you and I should always move with the Holy Spirit or by God's direction. We should not move by human pressure. We don't move even by their frantic nature. You can't make people do what you want them to do. You, you, that's not the way we should live. And you should not be so responsive to a human need that you forget the direction of God. He followed the direction of God. And sometimes we become so carnal in this world, and I'm talking about church people, we become so carnal and so used to the world that, that we think people ought to respond pragmatically. Yeah. I don't mind doing things that are practical, but I want to do what God directs me to do. And here Jesus did what God directed him to do. His movements were always under God's direction, and so should yours. Amen. Then after he said this to his disciples, after, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Can you imagine? It just blew him away. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, 
Lately, the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? Are you going to go to the place where you almost got stoned? Or are you going to go there and let them finish the job? Are you going to go where COVID-19 is, is raging? Uh, you've got to use your head, Pastor. Are you going to go where they kill Christians? If that's what Jesus wants. I figure my death is something God already knows. And so we must follow the direction of God. This is what I believe Jesus is teaching us here. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So his disciples knew uh, that going to Judea would be dangerous. So they tried to prevent him from going. And sometimes we try to prevent the will of God in our own, as it were, say, ignorance. I didn't use stupidity. I said in ignorance, in not being aware. And we'll try to prevent the will of God. And they were trying to prevent the will of God. So you have to uh, be, be steadfast and immovable in your understanding of God. Don't let anybody prevent the will of God in your life. This is what we find here. And so, and so um, Jesus told them this parable or this about walking in the day uh, to illustrate that it was not dangerous to go, that he was in tune with the Father. It was not his time to die. He could go to Bethany without any incident. And so as long as he followed God's plan, no, no harm would come until the appointed time. And that's how we must live, whether we're in battle or in bed. Jesus, Jesus said uh, to his disciples, he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. So none of us should be walking in darkness. None of us should be afraid to do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Then Jesus says, also in John 9, in verse, verses 4 and 5, he says, I must work the work of him who sent me. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. That is, while I am alive, the night is coming when no one can work. And then Jesus says again, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this is something that we as believers in Jesus must internalize. We must so internalize. That's why we try to inculcate this truth Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, because there, there are birds, quote unquote, of the air out there, satanic forces that are always trying to take those things away from you. They're trying to take every seed of the word of God that's planted into you. Yes, even difficulties of life. The enemy uses everything to take, take out whatever God has given to you. He's, he, he does that because he doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. And that's perhaps one reason that the scripture tells us to love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. But let's hurry on in our story in verse 11. He says, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, uh, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death. 
but, that, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. <clears throat> Nevertheless, let us go to him. Let us go to him. And this just parenthetically, let me say that that's, since Jesus is coming, since his life here, his death and resurrection, um, for a believer, death is called sleep. Remember, remember when Stephen, our brother Stephen, was stoned? It was recorded in Acts chapter 7. The scripture says that, that he was calling on God as they stoned him. He was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Remember that? And uh, the Bible says he knelt down, cried out with the Lord, a loud voice, saying, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Let's don't, don't charge this sin to them, Lord. The same words of Jesus. And, he, and he, the Bible says, and when he had said that, he fell asleep. That's what Acts chapter 7 tells us. He fell asleep. He died. He died. And also, uh, well, let me just move on forward. Um, then Thomas, who's called the twin, Deutimus, uh, I think is, Deutimus or something like that in, in the King James. He says, he's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Thomas thought, well, this, we're going to die. But Jesus had already spoken to them. If you're following God, if you have the, the, the life of Christ, you have God's light. You have God's understanding. You have God's knowing inside you. You can trust God's knowing. Haven't you noticed that, it, that although we've been saved, some of us, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, we still sometimes go, wow, I'm not sure. Yeah, we do that. We do that. But I think we do that because we're ever learning. We're ever learning. God wants us to understand this amazing resurrection life. So in verse 17, it says, when Jesus, so when Jesus came, he found that, they, that he had already been in the tomb four days. And four days. And verse 18 says, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews who had joined the women around Martha and Mary, uh, many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, but even now, but he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Resurrection, that good old beautiful Greek word, anastasis, a standing up again, a, a, a resurrection literally from death, a standing up again, being raised to life again, to rise from the dead. He says, yes. She said, he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And in verse 25, Jesus said these words. And I want us to understand what resurrection will give us. This resurrection life gives us the ability to deal with everything that comes against us. Everything that is in our path. Yes, from the, the, the laborer to the office worker to the student at school to the woman at home making a home. Where, wherever you are, this will get you through. 
resurrection life. It will give you understanding that you have never had before. I've had God drop understanding in me when I was doing some mundane, ordinary thing. He'll tell you. He'll tell you, move this way, son. Go this way. Don't go that way. And you avoided a, a, a wreck. Yeah. God will do that. God will show you through this amazing resurrection life. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. And so he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Wow, amazing, amazing story. Let, let me just, I'm going to leave off a few verses. So let's, let's go down to verse 36. When Jesus came to the, um, um, to the grave and, and uh, Jesus saw the, everybody weeping there, they were weeping and, and crying, he, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And uh, Jesus wept there. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of thought and controversy or, or opinions about what was going on there. Jesus groaned there, and he wept. He's very close to Lazarus, and, and uh, perhaps that was the reason. But it seems more likely that Jesus was groaning at, at the way Satan has ravaged humanity. It seems more likely that he was groaning, and, and uh, the way this word is often used, it's not uh, used as somebody who's just feeling sorry about something. It's like groaning as, as in not happy with that situation. And so Jesus was groaning, and a tear came down, and he knew that, that just like I'm about to raise Lazarus, I'm going to go to the cross here very soon. I'm going to go to the cross, and, and I'm going to deal with this matter. That's what was going on. And so he wants this to be indelible in their minds. And he wants it, it to be indelible in your mind. It's not just an old, old story. It has to be indelible. Uh, uh, incapable of being removed or erased. Here in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus said, uh, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind have kept this man from dying? So Lazarus was about to be raised from the dead so that they might believe. Jesus said he's doing this so that they would believe. Resurrection is so you would believe. You and I have an inner knowing that Jesus got out of the grave. You were not there physically when Jesus got out of the grave. But the life that, that takes care of death was is in you that life that is in you was there the holy spirit was there witnessing all of this this is how you and i have become witnesses verse 38 says then jesus said again groaning in himself that same groaning he's, he's going to deal with sin he came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone lay against it jesus said take away the stone Martha, the sister of him who was uh, dead, said to Jesus, Lord, by this time there's a stench, for he has been dead four days. Now, she just told him she recognizes that he is 
the Messiah, and she forgot. How many times have you forgotten that you have resurrection life in you? When some situation just confronted you like a bad dog running out uh, off the porch of somebody's house. And you forgot that you're an overcomer. Maybe somebody said something to you at work. Oh, you forgot. Maybe some of our children, they said something at school. You forgot. Just as he, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Did, did I not say, did he not say, let the sick say I'm well? Did he not say, I will eat, never leave you? I'll never forsake you. So why do you think you're forsaken now? And they took away the snow from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The, uh, the English Standard Version says, and then I'll be uh, say, Lazarus, come out. It wasn't just that Lazarus was coming forth. That's a good translation. But that he was coming out from among the dead. And it is up to us to hear the voice of God saying to you, come out from among the dead. I'll be back in a minute.